Welcome to Dose of Support, a podcast for healthcare professionals to preserve stories and provide a dose of support to each other through community and shared experiences. We're going to share successful and sometimes not successful self-care methods. And I'm your host, Dr. Vanessa Casper, a nurse practitioner and a professional just like you. Remember, I'm hosting this podcast, but I'm not your healthcare provider, and my guests aren't here to provide healthcare advice either. But we do encourage you to seek out care from your own healthcare professional. And although we're sharing stories from healthcare, I intend to fully adhere to HIPAA and protect privacy. And remember, this podcast is not related to any employer. It's hard out there, so let's find some self-care in healthcare. Stay tuned, everyone. Well, hey there. Welcome back to Dose of Support. This is our third episode, you guys, and I'm wanting to start a new segment at the top of each show, like a sort of check-in with you. I think that we hear from guests every week, but you and I really need to have a check-in, and I want to see how things are going. So here I am letting you know that this week I'm moving, and I think everyone hates moving, so I know y'all have been there, but also I'm thinking, oh my gosh, my 14-month-old baby has, I think, a full set of teeth. So if there are any dentists listening or any like dental students, I would love to hear your take on like if that's normal. And that's kind of where I'm sitting this week. What I'm wanting to hear from you guys is how is the podcast going? Should it be shorter? Should it be longer? Do you have a certain guest you'd like to hear from? And if you do, please don't hesitate to reach out. This is our podcast. We're in this together. And I really want to know what you think. And the feedback is so welcome. Um, So that's kind of my check-in with you. And I'd love to hear back from you on Instagram or Facebook. Um, We also have a website, so you can email me directly as well if you want to be more discreet. Um, And I really welcome that. Um, As we go into episode three here, I want you to know that Dan and I recorded like way back in the day. I had this brand new equipment and the audio isn't as awesome as I wish it was, but I'm, you know, brand new to this. You guys, I was learning how to, first of all, record with a microphone and all this stuff, how to do this with another person. And then I, how to edit it in software and how to make it sound better And with Dan's recording, I did everything I could, but let me tell you that I saved it because the conversation is literally so good. So I hope you enjoy episode three with Dan as much as I do. And hey, thanks again for listening to Dose of Support. We need our stories to get out there because these stories matter. So I really appreciate your support. All right, enjoy the show. Welcome, Dan, to the show. Thanks for having me. Dan, you are a certified nursing assistant, and you came into healthcare from a different background. Is that right? Yes. All right. Tell us a little bit about what led you to be a certified nursing assistant. Well, I I thought I wanted to be a physician assistant for a while. So I went to college with that goal. And in order to get into PA school, you have to have a certain amount of patient care hours. So I saw that being a nursing assistant is a great way to just get involved and and get the exposure that you need, the hours that you need to be a competitive candidate. 
Wow. Okay. So for those that don't know, what is a certified nursing assistant? So a certified nursing assistant is a position where you're helping patients complete acts of daily living. And you can find a nursing assistant or a nursing assistant in uh, the hospital setting, nursing home settings. Uh, Sometimes you can find them in home care as well. But essentially what we do is we make sure that our patients are safe, comfortable, happy, and we provide the assistance that they need to complete your basic acts of daily living, like brushing your teeth, showering, eating, going to the toilet, and anything in between. Yeah. And for folks listening, maybe in other states or outside of the U.S., certified nursing assistant is just one term that we would use for this type of position in healthcare. Sometimes they're called personal care assistants, or sometimes they're called clinical assistants, or um, so there's a variation like like some states require you to be registered with the state board. And so I know in some of our neighboring states here in the Midwest, we call it nursing assistant registered or NAR. So um, I, I love this role. I did it myself. Um, what? What was the training like for you to get into this, Dan? Uh, The training was kind of intense. There's a bunch of different ways you can go about it. Uh, I was very determined to be starting as quick as I could. So I did a three-week-long course where I was uh, under an instructor for about eight hours a day. And we covered all the skills that you need to, you know, complete these tasks in a a safe, healthy manner. It also included about 16 hours of clinicals where you go into a nursing home and you shadow under a current working nursing assistant and you're able to kind of get a feel about what it's like in the nursing home as well. Yeah. And so like you said before, there's nursing assistants in pretty much every facet of healthcare that I don't think that even the general public realizes it's not just, you know, you get sick and you go to the hospital. It's after that, you might need to go to a rehab facility or after that, you might need some home care, or maybe you're going to a specialty clinic to get a procedure done, and there's maybe a nursing assistant there as well. So they're they're in every facet of healthcare. And um, one thing that I feel is important to highlight about this role is it's so undervalued because you are really doing intense and personal work for people. You're working with them in really really, I, I don't know, intimate, intimate ways. Yeah. ways. Yeah. And so I couldn't agree more with you. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with you. I uh, sometimes for people that don't really understand the medical workforce, I describe the aides kind of like as ants or the assistants uh, as ants. Uh, you know, there's uh, kind of a, a web of delegation and we're kind of at the bottom and we're the people that are kind of carrying out a lot of the of the needs that our patients need. Right. So I actually really, sometimes semantics are important to me. So I don't like to say we're in the medical field. I like to say we're in healthcare because big medicine has created this hierarchy that we all kind of try to, we're all under and we're trying to get out of. So we're in healthcare. And one thing about the nurse's assistant role is that it's under the nurse. Um, (laughs) So so that also creates this like invisible hierarchy. Do you want to 
I guess it's not invisible, but do you want to kind of speak to that a little bit about the role? Yeah, sure. And yeah, you're right. It's not invisible at all. I mean, <laughs> the the name nurse assistant or nurse aide, it's literally in the title. <laughs> I'm here to help you, the nurse. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I definitely do feel that there's a strong sense of delegation from the nurses to the aides and the nursing assistants. For those who are listening, uh, nursing assistants are often called nurse aides as well. So if I say aides, don't bother. But um, yeah, there's lots of delegation from the nurses, which I'm I'm happy with because I don't have that training yet and I want to be as helpful as I can. Um, that hierarchy definitely does exist. Yeah, and and what I I hope by providing a platform like this is that people listen to different roles and they see the work that people people are doing for people and that we're all just part of a big web. Um, and so I, I want to appreciate your work. I, I know how hard it is. What do you think is the hardest part of, of what you do? You know, I think... Where the setting that I'm in right now is in acute rehab at the hospital. And I think for me, what I struggle with the most is the, the level of work, really. Um, I'm given anywhere from seven to nine patients a day, and their acuity can be pretty high. And uh, sometimes I don't feel like I'm able to give the best care to all those people in you know an allotted eight-hour shift you know and when you say like the amount of work do you say are you saying like physical labor like physical lifting things like that or do you mean like emotional or is it both I think it's both I think it starts physical you know uh yeah uh lifting patients is something that I do all day every day and on top of that I'm always on my feet I'm running from room to room answering call lights as timely as I can so yeah, that physical aspect of it is, I think, uh, yeah, that's, that's how it starts. But when, when you feel like you're not doing as much as you want to be doing, that fatigue also starts to, I guess, heighten the level of stress, you know, the almost a little bit of guilt even really, even though it's really not your fault, you know, like you only can do as much as you can. Yeah, and uh, that might be termed as moral distress. I don't know if you've heard that term in healthcare yet, but moral distress is that feeling that like maybe you're not doing enough or the right thing, or um, and and it's an emotional turmoil that healthcare workers feel um, because of the systems that are set up. Um, sometimes it feels like these systems are set up for us to fail. And so I just want to echo what you're saying and validate what you're saying, because I think a lot of people listening have probably felt that way before, too. I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, you, I talked to my coworkers and you can, you can see the uh, some days there's a pretty intense burnout. Lots of, lots of exhaustion, both mentally you know, and physically. So why do you do this work? What's your favorite part of the job? Because obviously you keep going back. Oh yeah. No, I, I love, I love this work. I think, well, there, there's so many things that I love about it. I think, I think I'd have to narrow it down to connection. You know, I think that when you have a patient, you, you're seeing them in a very vulnerable state and to be someone that can come in and normalize that a little bit, 
and connect with you on a human to human level, not just a, hi, I'm taking care of you level. Uh, that's so cool. Uh, being able to really connect with somebody and honestly kind of make little buddies there. It makes going into work that much easier, you know? It's such an honor. It's, it's a huge privilege to be able to connect with people like that. Well, it's just fun, you know? I think that some of my favorite parts of my day are when I go in, maybe it's my third shift in a row and I'm given the same assignment of patients. Uh, going in and saying like, hello, and then hearing we're like, ah, Dan, you know, <laughs> that, that, always, <laughs> that always makes me, uh, makes me pretty happy. <laughs> I also, there's one other thing I like to talk about though. And, okay. uh, so in my role, like I said earlier, I'm in acute rehab. For those who don't know, this is the type of setting where some sort of injury or illness happens that debilitates somebody and they lose certain functions of their daily life. And we see these people in the acute rehab setting, and we work in tandem with therapists, occupational, physical, speech therapists, and we get them back to independence, or at least a goal that they set for themselves. So the other thing that just totally just fills my, my whole life is seeing the progress certain people really make. Sometimes you see people that are in a mechanical lift, you know, in between their bed to their wheelchair. And, you know, they're not really doing anything for themselves. And then by a month, they're up and they're walking on their own. And that was something they never really even envisioned for themselves. So, oh, I have goosebumps right now. I'm I know. So, like, <laughs> I have tingles and that, that I'm smiling. I don't know if everyone can hear that I'm <laughs> smiling, but it's like, that's why, that's why you do it. Right. That's why, I mean, it's like, it's a, it's the gift that keeps on giving, even though yeah. you're, it's work. I, I don't know. It's, I, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. It, it, it literally feels like volunteer work that you're getting paid for. It's <laughs> my mom is a but, nurse. But hard work. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Granted, very hard work, but yeah, but great work. My mom's a nurse too. And uh, after certain shifts when, you know, the, the emotions are very high, sometimes I call her and I'll kind of like, I don't know, kind of cry about like some really cool thing that happened that day. Like, and they're walking again and I'm just so happy, you know? So Dan, do you mind if I ask you about how your, your gender makes a difference in this role? Because you are in a, I would say, female dominated profession right now. And, um, I, I don't know what that would be like as I am a female in nursing and it's so normal. Um, and so how is it for you being the minority? I'm, I'm guessing that you've never really been the minority. You know, yeah. And yeah, I'm happy to talk about this. Being, being a dude, it hasn't really crossed my mind that maybe there's some sort of, hmm, how, how would I put this? I guess... When people are put in certain instances of privilege, they don't really realize that maybe like people listen to them in different ways. And exactly, you know, uh, I I know that I I think I do get maybe a different level of respect from certain people. I think oh here's here's one thing for sure. One thing that I have noticed being a male in the the healthcare profession is that my patients always assume that I am like the higher ranking official. Right. You have more authority because you're a guy. Absolutely. You know, I will be in a room with my nurse, you know, and 
they'll say, are you the doctor? And I'll say, oh, no, I'm the nursing assistant. Well, who's the nurse? Well, this is your nurse, you know? You're like, she's standing right here, dude. Like, Yeah, and, and those nurses, are, they're warriors. These are, the, these are the coolest people ever. So hearing that kind of like, it kind of upsets me a little bit because I want them to have the, the credibility and the respect, you know, that, that they deserve from their patients and regardless of their gender. Right, right. And it's interesting to talk about this from, from your perspective, because there's, you know, a lot going on in the world. And, um, I feel like women have a safe space in nursing because it's always been accepted that a woman could be a nurse or a nurse's assistant because you could be a nurse or a teacher. And that's, I mean, from, from my female perspective, that is my, you know, my experience. But um, coming into this as a guy, do you feel like you're, it kind of sounds like your gender almost helps you get your work done. You know, I, I think I would agree with you. Okay. No, yeah. yeah I didn't want to make good. like an assumption, but I'm like, <laughs> you know, like, I, and it's just important to acknowledge that privilege, I think. And, and I, I don't want to just call it out, but it it also is like this really strange thing because you're in this role reversal in nursing where a lot of women are in leadership and um, not, not in a hierarchical sense, but you're working together and the next person on the, on the ladder tends to be a female. Um, yeah. And so I just think it's interesting to bring that up and get your perspective as you walk into this, but it sounds like you kind of grew up with, um, a role model in your mom. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, talking about talking about both of those things, I completely agree with you. I think that I think it is really important to understand that hey, yeah, being a guy in a predominantly female profession is a it's a, it's a boost as far as my career goes. I applied to the Masters of Nursing program and I got in, which is great. I think part of that is because I'm a guy. I looked at the the statistics. I think it was 80% women and 20% guys in the graduating class of 2018. So wow. that alone just helps you get a career. Yeah. And then also as far as in positions of leadership, yeah, the nursing the nursing profession is predominantly females, but people in leadership is disproportionately males. It's 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 uh it's interesting and it's something we should definitely highlight and try to move past. What's really interesting about that too is like we want the profession and that all healthcare workers to look like the people that we're caring for. Just like we would want Congress to look like the country. We we want so so we want guys in nursing and we right. want people of color in nursing and we want people that can recognize the person that's laying in the bed, the patient and relate with them. And so I think that we need the diversity in nursing. And so it's, it's a good thing to have men in nursing, um, especially in a role like this, you're seeing, I think you're, you're, you're seeing and doing a lot of work that was previously invisible to the public, like, because it's women's work and not to like get on the feminism box, but like, no, get, get of, on the feminism box. I love this. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of women's work is invisible and just considered like part of the deal. 
And that's why nursing work isn't billable. For example, all the bedside care that's given in the hospital is not a billable service. But if, for example, a physician walks in for five minutes and talks to the patient, they get to bill insurance for that. And it's just like the work that nurses and nursing assistants do because it's been predominantly female um, is invisible and not valued the same way. And um, I, I think it's important to talk to a guy and get a guy's perspective on that. I mean, this is not a political or social justice podcast, but (laughs) sidebar, this isn't a social justice, political podcast, dot, dot, dot. But that stuff is woven into everything. And you know what? Black lives matter. Women's rights are human rights. And I just wanted to say that because we must face it and we must progress forward as a society. And so sidebar ended. Thank you. (laughs) I do think it, it is your experience. It's your lived experience. And obviously I'm giving a little bit of my lived experience too, as we, as we talk. And I just think that this perspective is so interesting because I really appreciate that you're acknowledging your white male privilege because it's, it's getting you, it's getting you into the profession, but we also need you. We need you in the profession because we need people in our profession that look like the people we're serving. And um, so I, I think it's amazing that you're, you're choosing this path. Well, thank you very much. I All right. So, so I have some silly questions. Okay. Can you watch healthcare shows on TV? Oh my God. <laughs> um, yes and no. So I, I have just loved the human body. And I think that diagnostics is just so flipping cool to me. So like watching like House, they get into a lot of pretty intense medical jargon and I'll pause it and I will look up everything that they're saying and I'll try my best to remember it. But in five minutes, you know, it's gone. But (laughs) I just it but on the on the flip side, some of it's so just unrealistic. Like you like Grey's Anatomy and one doctor is the surgeon is the person delivering your baby. (laughs) Yeah. I, I tell people I, I always have trouble watching that stuff. But when I was going through school, I thought it was the coolest. <laughs> yeah. I, I have to wonder how many people are like, I want to be a nurse because they just love Grey's Anatomy. You know, I have to wonder. There are that. some like mannerisms or some goofy things that I personally do because of the work that I do. And so is there anything goofy that you do because your mom taught you to do it? because she because she brought her nursing work home or that you do when you're like done with your shift is there anything goofy that you do well I don't know about mannerisms but I don't know one thing is I okay so I am a roommate I'm one of five guys whoa and they all know that I'm an yeah I know right (laughs) so they they all know that I work in the the nursing uh the nursing profession and all of their careers are pretty much the polar opposite. They're all like in advertising and stuff like that. Um, a lot of them flinch away from like like a paper cut on TV because they can't handle it. And I'm the one that's like, ooh, that's so cool. So like I always make like medical jokes to them and it kind of creeps them out a little bit. <laughs> Maybe like one of them will go to like the bathroom or something. I'm like, hey, do you need help? Like, <laughs> like I, I'm a certified nursing assistant. I could, like if you need me to, I could probably wipe your Oh butt. my God. <laughs> 
<laughs> just like, just let me know. Like, give me a call. <laughs> Put the call light on. <laughs> yeah, I have designated people in my life that should I need care, should I need help, you're you're the person on my like top three list that is allowed to help me with my personal care. So, okay, yeah, just give me a call. <laughs> oh my god, Dan. Okay, so <laughs> we are going to take a break and be back shortly with Dan's story. Stay tuned, everyone. All right, everyone, we're back with Dan, our certified nursing assistant, and he is here to use this platform to share a story that he felt needed to get out there. So, Dan, go ahead and tell us what is so special to you that you had to share today. I think, yeah, so I'll dive right in here, but I think uh, before I jump into the story, I want the context out there for the public, for people that are wondering about medical or uh, yeah, if you're if you're wondering about being like a nursing assistant or a nurse or just just helping in that form or method, you should give it a shot. Even if you have been labeled as someone that isn't really caring or giving or anything like that, because you may really surprise yourself. Uh, and that's what happened to me. So I'll jump right into that. This started the summer of 2016. It, this was my first nursing my first nursing assistant job. I was hired into a rehabilitation facility at a nursing home, and I was about two months fresh. So at this point, I still was sort of shell-shocked with the, with the nursing home setting, the level of care. Um, I had always been labeled as somebody that, by my, by my mom, <laughs> the, the nurse, she said that she didn't really think I had it in me. She didn't think that my personality was one that would match in nursing. Oh, that's kind of discouraging. It was a little discouraging, but I love my mom and I trust my mom. And she she's only telling me that so that I, I pick the right career, that it, there isn't some sort of burnout five years down the road and all this is for nothing. So I thought I wanted to be a physician assistant, which is why I became a nursing assistant in the first place was to get those patient care hours. But about two months in to my nursing gig, we had a patient come in and this patient was pretty tough. This was somebody that would scream and yell at the nursing aides and the nurses. This is somebody that would frequently cuss and he'd say uh, sexist things towards uh, some of the female nursing assistants and nurses. But for some weird reason, he like he connected with me and when I get report you know that morning oh he he was really tough today he did all this stuff like good luck is what people would say with him I'd walk in and I wouldn't get that at all you know I'd I just had somebody that was excited to see me and uh, he'd say damn like how's it going I'm like hey man like what's up you know and I'd take care of him this was somebody that was so used to taking care of themselves somebody that was very capable and and he had a stroke, so all that was taken away from him, you know? It's a huge loss. People feel like, I just can't imagine, and they, they experience this huge loss. And then a lot of times patients are lashing out and, and angry. They're right. going through those stages of grief, 
and there and sometimes one of those is is anger and lashing out at people that are trying to help them right you have to understand that like you're not in their shoes you know losing losing total control of your life sucks so i don't know i i guess i just really tried to see this person for who he was you know and kind of look past the anger and so this patient and i we really connected and like I said, this is two months in. I really hadn't had a connection with a patient like this yet. Um, and it was going really well, and it actually filled me. It really it, it made coming to work really cool. And he, um, he was clearly crashing. So they sent him back to the hospital. I happened to be on shift that day, and he asked, like, will you take me into the ambulance? So I take him out to the ambulance with the, uh, the EMTs, and he takes my hand, and he looks me in the eye. And he starts crying. And this is a guy who I, I don't, I couldn't tell you the last time he cried, you know, obviously that's pretty stereotypical or whatever, but he, uh, yeah, this is a guy that I don't think cries a whole lot. He, he took my hand and he bawled and he said, Dan, I'm always going to remember you. Thank you for everything you've done for me. Oh my God, I'm getting sappy now. <laughs> Thank you for everything that you've done for me. And I will pray for you every single day until the day that I die. And uh, three days later, I read his name in the obituary. Oh, I have goosebumps. Yeah, that was, a, that was the moment that I realized that what nursing assistants do really matters. It can, it's, it's groundbreaking. I was able to bring somebody comfort and friendship and connection in his final days. And I think that was a privilege for me. So, What an honor. And it sounds like yeah. it sounds like it was important to him but also like like life-changing for you like it literally changed my life at this point I was still uh I was still looking to be a physician assistant that moment changed everything that moment told me no your your place is at the bedside this is where you make the biggest impact is with connection with your patients it's right here so No, that that and it also told me I I am compassionate. I think as as I started as a nursing assistant when I was 19 years old and I also think that as you grow and get older and you learn um your whole perspective on things change too and and the world is changing with you and you I mean so I I think we also like evolve and so um mm. I I think maybe that's also part of what happened here it kind of sounds like to me um no yeah this was this was a transformation a metamorphosis i i uh, my butterfly wings came right out <laughs> and they i came out in scrubs out of my cocoon <laughs> oh my god <laughs> okay um well it sounds like this it, it kind of has a sad component too because this patient passed away and you guys had created such a wonderful connection how did you cope with that loss Okay, so for the like 10th time this podcast, I'm going to talk about my mom. <laughs> my mom is a hospice nurse. And uh, yeah, I, I called her and I, I kind of let it all out. And she gave me some pretty awesome advice. She said, you know, this is, this is, what, this is what you were meant to do. You know, um, you had the privilege of being someone so important. That is what it's all about. And with that perspective, you know, I don't know, it... It, it got a little bit easier, you know? Still, yeah, I was sad to see a buddy go, but I don't know. I'm just happy that I got to play a part. 
Yeah. So it sounds like you kind of acknowledged that you had a great honor and a privilege to work with this person and make the connection and that 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 was the gift to you and that you gave a gift to him too. Absolutely. Well put. Well, what a great story. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, oh, thank you for having yeah, me. Yeah. So I, I think what I'd like to do is, is hear from listeners about this. And would you want listeners to connect with you? Oh, totally. If, if, if this story, if this, if this invokes any sort of emotion in anybody, I'd like to, I'd like to hear about it because I'm, this is obviously something that I'm very passionate about. So yeah, absolutely. Please open up the public. I am I am here with open arms. All right, guys. Dan needs your dose of support. So go ahead and email us at hello at doseofsupport.com. You can find us on Facebook in our private group. And then we're on Instagram at dose of support. And um, Dan, if you want people to directly connect with you, do you want to give your information or do you want to just like find them online? Um, yeah. Um, can I just throw my information right yeah, on here? Or do you, would you, yeah, sure. Um, you could, you could, if you, if you like Instagram, I hope you do. Cause Dosa supports on Instagram. It's really cool. My Instagram is smearcat manner, S M E A R C A T M A N O R. And yeah, you can DM me there. I'll, I'll get back to you too. Thank you, Dan, for being part of the show today. And as always, listeners, feel free to shout out and give us all a dose of support. Stories matter, and now we've captured another one. We'll be back next week with a brand new guest and a whole different story. Until then, make connections and give each other a dose of support. Dose of Support is written, produced, edited, everything by me, Vanessa Casper, with exclusive music by Rafael Sequeira. Don't forget to rate the show or leave feedback wherever you listen. I'm punching out until next week, where we try to find some self-care and health care once again. Mm-hmm.